Good morning, everyone. It is really lovely to share with you uh, this Sunday morning. Um, this morning, we're going to consider the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. And can I just say from the start, the irony of looking at these particular disciplines in the middle of a COVID pandemic and during lockdown is not lost on me. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm an external processor. And without a doubt, I have used less words than ever before during this season. Um, I've been in the company of drastically less people over the last year, and as someone who lives on their own um, until the introduction of bubbling, um, solitude was a permanent fixture. The pandemic has ushered in some silencing, and it has uh, ushered in some forced aloneness. But silencing and aloneness are not what this discipline is about. As we look at silence and solitude, I, I think it's really helpful for us to acknowledge that silencing and aloneness are actually contrary to the character of God and to the life that he advocates for. Silencing is often a, an abuse of power, a denial or a value of someone's humanity, a denial of the value of being alive. It can happen through intention or through ignorance actively not listening or thoughtlessly not enabling somebody else to speak. But our God is a communicator and has been since the beginning of time. He spoke life into being. He has sought out connection and relationship. He is a God who speaks and who listens. We read of his conversations with men and women across this book. We see his interaction with families, with crowds, with children, and with, uh, with men and women. As God became flesh, Jesus walked into this earth and communicated. But our God doesn't just speak. He listens to and he advocates. Jesus and the blind man. Jesus and the man lowered through the roof. Jesus and the woman who was bleeding. Or turn to the Old Testament and we get insights into the character of God in that traumatic story of Haggai fleeing from Sarah and Abraham. And we read, the Lord has heard of your misery. The Lord has heard of your ministry. The Lord has listened to your affliction. The Lord has listened to your affliction. Or that incredibly powerful conversation that God had with Moses in Exodus. The Israelites have been under the impression of the Egyptians. And we read in Exodus uh, 2, it says, God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. I, I wonder if I had been an Israelite during this time, would I have known that God is hearing my groaning? But he had. He did. And God says, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I remember my covenant. We follow a God who speaks. We follow a God who listens. This book is littered with stories of people whose lives were restored with dignity because God heard. The God we seek to know. He doesn't want to silence you as if you do not matter. This is not about silencing. It's about a focus and space. Yes, this discipline invites us to be silent, but it reminds us, but the reason it does it is to remind us that we are more than our words, more than our actions, that being with is enough. And that restores our dignity, and that adds to our value. 
Yes, this discipline invites us to be silent, but that is to remind us that we are more than our words. We are more than our actions. That being with is enough. And that restores our dignity. That adds to our value. You need to see the character of God in this and what he is calling you and I to. He's not calling us to a life of aloneness either. Again, the very nature of the Trinity illustrates the relational life God calls us to, that he represents, that he is living from. We're invited to share our lives with others. We're invited to be part of this worldwide family of God. Come and take your place. You are welcome. You have a place of belonging. Solitude is not an invitation to aloneness. It is an invitation to presence. The silence and solitude of this discipline, the silence and solitude I want to speak to you about today is not about silencing or aloneness. It is a movement from emptiness to fulfillment. As Richard Foster writes, Jesus calls us from loneliness to solitude. This is a movement from emptiness to fulfillment. So I think there's actually something really powerful about considering this discipline right now, right now in the middle of restrictions and lockdown. There's something about the countercultural aspect of this discipline that's really important. There's something that our faith ushers in through these disciplines. So when Dave sent through the list, this is the one I wanted to talk about, silence and solitude. And I think it's for the very fact that it pushes against the ideas that I hold, and perhaps that you hold, about silence and solitude. It pushes me to see God, to know God, to remind myself of his character. It reminds us not just to see the world through our physical eyes and our physical senses, but to see more to consider the life-transforming call that our God has invited us to, transformed living with him, to see our lives, to see the world through his eyes. I think these disciplines are not primarily about changing us, but rather they are ways to foster our relationship with God. They are love practices. They're ways of prioritizing our relationship with the Father. I know that they will change me along the way. I, I know they will change you because that is how God works, how he operates. He generously pours out into our lives. But at the core, they are about prioritizing our relationship with God. I think really simply, we're just called to share our lives with him. To walk in companion with him to appreciate our father and our place as his children. And so these disciplines built on the travail of generations of Jesus followers are tools to help us share our life with him. This is not about a denial of my value or a forced separation. These are about a continued friendship with the father. These disciplines, these practices help me know him more, help us hold to that goal, that pathway, and so as we consider silence and solitude, hold on to that goal, deepening your friendship with God. Hold on to that tightly. Otherwise, these are hollow activities rather than seeing the dance to which God is inviting you to join in. Silence and solitude are disciplines to prioritize your relationship with God. And I can't help but wonder, 
that they emphasize our value through prioritizing presence, just presence. Silence and solitude is not to be alone. It is to hear Jesus, prioritize Jesus, to hear the divine whisper. And so I wonder this morning, might we take some time to hear the divine whisper? Might we give ourselves some time to allow our shoulders to go down, to let go of that need to perform, the inbuilt need that so many of us have, that need to be active, and allow ourselves time with God? Again, I think this discipline asks nothing of us but just to be present. It's not about activity or performance. It does not matter if it felt good or what it produced. It is simply about being. Are you ready just to be yourself with God? Years ago, I was recording a wee video series in SU around friendship. And I remember one of the team saying, a good friend is someone that you can sit in silence with and it isn't awkward. And I remember at the time thinking, what kind of weird friendships do you have? Because when I'm with my best friend, I want to talk and listen. But I get this now. There is something really freeing in simply allowing ourselves to be present. This discipline just asks for your presence. It demands no action, no response, simply that you sit with your king. So can I invite you for the next 10, 15 minutes to do nothing else but be present? Will you allow yourself time to be present? But in all of this, can I acknowledge the reality of this? Some of you are listening in your living room and you have one eye on your child or children at the same time. Can I just say, allow yourself to be present as much as is possible. You may well need to rescue your child from that collision with the fireplace. Or you may well need to do a toilet run. That's okay. Some of you perhaps are sitting and you have some space. If that's your opportunity right now, can I ask you to turn off other noises and allow your focus to be fully on God? Close that door to the washing machine. Turn off the radio in the other room. Put your phone down. If you're sitting with someone else, could you give each other permission to just not talk? For the next 15 minutes? Could you give yourself permission to be present? I guess what I'm just trying to do is acknowledge the reality of our lives at the moment and to just say, I am glad you are here. I am glad that you're with us. And if I feel that way, do you know how much more God is? He is glad you're here. He wants to meet with you. He wants to be present, and I believe he savors time with you. Remember, he calls us into relationship. He delights in his relationship with you. So let us allow ourselves to be present. Let's uh, begin to practice this time for us just with God. And so in the context of being present, I want to turn to Psalm 37 and look at it together this morning. The Bible is sprinkled with examples of solitude. In the Gospels, we find accounts of how Jesus would get away and of time alone with the Father. And these accounts point to to solitude as ministry. They are the with God. Solitude is not the fuel or the refueling. Solitude is the ministry. When I think of that, it's mind-blowing. Might you ponder on that? What is solitude? Is it what 
Solitude is the priority. It is not the overflow. When you see Jacob's encounter with God, how solitude can lead to transformation. So when you have those moments, hear what God is about. Open, um, be open to the transformation that God ushers in. But this morning, I want to simply savour this space and allow God to usher in a different perspective. And so can we turn to this Psalm, Psalm 37, and delight in the Lord? Let me pray just for a moment as we begin to open this up together. God, we just acknowledge your presence. Thank you. Thank you for being present with us this morning. And as we walk through, slowly through this psalm, may we hear your voice. But above all, God, may we savour this space, time with you. Amen. Let me read Psalm 37. I'm going to look at the first 11 verses of this psalm. It begins, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Often when we come to God, we come hoping he will fix something. We come hoping he will intervene. And, and I would encourage you to bring your worries, bring your weights to him. But this morning, I would like us to take time to learn to love God for who he is. To learn to love God for who he is and to enjoy God more. To learn to treasure the person of God, not what he can do for you. This is not about a transaction. I will spend time with you, God, so you will answer my prayers. Give me the desires of my heart. Change my situation. But rather spend time with God because you want to spend time with God. No expectations other than his presence. No expectations other than time with him. That's what he asks of you, come and be present. And so in Psalm 37, it shows us concrete ways of trusting God, delighting in him, waiting for him, being still before him. Learning that ensures our solitude and silence with God are not empty. Waiting on God and being still by God is not some tiresome ordeal for the super holy. It is full of interaction with God. We can look forward to it with expectant alertness. 
So let's wander slowly through this psalm. Let's ponder its words. Psalm begins with, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. The psalm opens with an expectation that life is difficult. Life is hard. And in this context, the psalmist invites the listeners to, verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. In the middle of the difficult, the psalmist invites us to stay. In the middle of the difficult, the psalmist invites us to trust, to do good, to enjoy safe pasture. When it's difficult, the default can be to run. But here the psalmist invites us to carry a long-term vision of life with God and shifts the focus from the difficult to God himself. Will you come? When it's difficult, will you come to him? When it's difficult, will I trust? Will you trust? I think there's something about this discipline of solitude that ushers in trust. Silence is intimately related to trust. One of the fruits of silence is that God becomes our justifier. Not our words, not our arguments, but simply silence. I, I rely on myself a lot, and not just in the physical, as in I need to pay my own bills, I need to create a home where I feel safe and warm, I need to get food and water and feed myself, but I rely a lot on myself and my head justifying my actions or my reaction to something, playing that video over my head, and somehow I become the hero or the victim. But what if the practice of solitude, time with God, shifts that perspective? And it isn't about what I say or you say, but it's about him. What if his character is enough? What about if his presence is enough? What about being with God in a way that he asks nothing of you but to be present. He doesn't ask you to explain, but just come. What if instead of words, actions, justifications, what if we were, as this psalm asks us to, it says, take, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. What might happen? What might come to mind if we were to delight in the Lord? What aspects of God might we notice? what he's like, how he acts, evidence of God, what might you treasure? If you were to delight in God, what might happen? What might come to mind? In fact, let's take a minute, 60 seconds, right here, right now, in this moment, and let's delight in the Lord. Let's take a moment and delight in the Lord and just think of him.
I wonder what came to mind. I wonder what you recalled, what you remembered, what stood out. I wonder if I, I wonder if you allowed ourselves moments in our day to delight in God, what might happen? Sam continues, verse seven, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. I wonder what are some of the practical ways that we can be still before God? How are we still? How do we wait patiently? Richard Foster gives this brilliant example of little solitudes, uh, little solitudes throughout your day, little moments woven into your day. And I wonder, might we allow ourselves this time? Often when we think of silence and solitude, we jump to that 24-hour silent retreat. But what about the little solitudes too? What about that moment when you waken in the morning before you lift the covers? What if you gave yourself a moment to be present with God? What if in that car journey to Tesco's or to the co-op, or for those of us who are driving to work, what if you didn't turn the radio on and allowed yourself time with God in silence? What about when you go to walk your dog, you turn your phone off? What if when you're brushing your teeth, there's no radio on? What if when I feel, when you feel the need to justify yourself, you take a moment before you speak to delight in the Lord? What if we did these little silent moments in our day, little ordinary times when we intentionally turn our gaze to God, when we create moments in our everyday lives to wait on him, to invite him in, to welcome him into our lives with no other agenda than time with him. Foster writes this, he says, in solitude we die not only to others but to ourselves. To be sure, at first, we thought solitude was a way to recharge our batteries in order to enter life's many competitions with new vigour and strength. In time, however, we found that solitude did not give us the power to win the rat race. On the contrary, it taught us to ignore it altogether. Slowly, we found ourselves letting go of our inner compulsions to win and our frantic efforts to attain. In the stillness, our false, busy sails were unmasked and seen from the imposter they truly were. In solitude, we die not only to others, but also to ourselves. To be sure, at first, we thought solitude was a way to recharge our batteries in order to enter life's many competitions with new vigour and strength. In time, however, we found that solitude did not give us the power to win the rat race. On the contrary, it told, taught us to ignore it altogether. Slowly, we find ourselves letting go of our inner compulsions to win and our frantic efforts to attain. In the stillness of our false, busy cells were unmasked and seen for the imposter they truly were. There is something about silence, solitude with God, that ushers in a different perspective, a life-giving perspective that I need. I don't know about you, but work has been really hard recently. And as I was reflecting on this with a friend, I realized I was okay. I was okay. Because as much as I love what I get to be part of, and as important as work is, it's not who I am. Because who I am is, I am a disciple of Jesus. 
And, and over the last couple of months, my practice has been really intentional time with God. I've been looking at these disciplines um, and they've ushered in a reminder, a timely reminder, I am his child. And that is enough. That is more than enough. I love what Mark Homer says uh, about what happens when we don't allow time for solitude in our lives, time for God's voice to be louder, time with God. When we don't practice this soul habit, Comer writes, we reap the consequence. We feel distant from God and we end up living off someone else's spirituality via that podcast or that book or that one-page devotional we read before we rush out the door. Do you do that? Do I do that? He says, we feel distant from ourselves. We lose sight of our identities and our callings. We get sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, not the importance. It's all, we think it's about what we're producing. We feel an undercurrent of anxiety, a sense we're always behind, always playing catch up, but never done. And then we get exhausted. We start living from the surface of our lives rather than the core. We are reactionary. The smallest thing is a trigger, a throwaway line from my boss, a snide comment from a code worker, a suggestion from my partner or my roommate. It doesn't take much. We lose our tempers, bark at our kids, get defences, sulk, feel angry, sad, or both. So what if this psalm invites? Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. What if we were people who are still before the Lord, who wait patiently for him? What if these moments created space to refrain from anger, released us from fretting? What if we enjoyed his peace and his prosperity? Refrain from anger, turn from wrath, do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off and those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy great peace. What if I, what if you created space in your day for solitude with God? What if we created space in our week, in our month, in our year? What might we discover about God? What might we discover about ourselves? And I think this is the richness of, this, of solitude with God. For through this discipline, we come to a place of freedom. And again, Comer writes, in this place of freedom, our failures slowly lose power over us, as do our successes. We get out from under the tyranny of other people's opinions, their disapproval or their approval of us, free to be just us. The mixed bag we are, nothing more than children with our father, adopted into love, free to be in the process, yet to arrive, and that's okay. In silence and solitude, our souls finally come home. That's what Jesus meant by abide, the verb of abode or home, the place of rest. We come back to our places of soul rest. Solitude creates space for you to be with the father, intentional space. Don't over-spiritualize this as if you aren't good enough or as if you can do solitude wrong. Remember, he invites you to this place. He says, come. So what about we allow ourselves to come? What about if you create space in your day for solitude with God, space in your week 
this month, this year, what might you discover about God? What might you discover about yourself? Let me read this psalm again. And can I invite you to notice a word or phrase that is the most meaningful for you. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy great peace. I wonder, was there a word or phrase that connects with you? I wonder why. I wonder what that might tell you about how you want to connect with God. Zephaniah 3 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with his singing. What might God want to say to you this morning? What song do you need God to sing over you this morning? A lot of what I have shared this morning, I have gleaned from others. Um, In particular, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, and John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. There's a good chance that you might well have those in your house. Um, Or this one, I'm sure you will know someone who might have a copy of this one that could lend it to you. Why not this week let yourself read the chapters on solitude and take some time to reflect? I'd also recommend... Um, This brilliant book by Jan Johnson, Spiritual Disciplines Companion. Um, I got got it a couple of months ago and I've been slowly working my way through it and I've found it utterly Um, uh, life-giving. Above all, there are great resources out there. Um, But give this a go. This week, could you avail of some little solitudes? Little moments in your day where you can breathe in God, where you shift your focus to him. And what about this week? Could you give yourself some intentional time, 30 minutes, an hour, and just be with him? No agenda, just sit in his presence, just delight in him. No noise, in the silence, allow yourself time with him. Have a go. 
Practice the little solitudes, little moments in your day where you shift the focus onto him. And carve out some intentional time that you can spend just with him, just the two of you, enjoying his presence. If there's one word that God uses that delights my soul, it's the word come. Come, he says, come. Why not give yourself time this week with him?